Hello everyone and welcome back to Bricks and Clicks. My name is Johnny. And I'm Colin. And we're joined by Lucas Walker, host of Pit Stop. That's me. And we wrapped up last episode talking about retail partnerships and what goes into making it a true partnership versus just transactional spending. Johnny, do you want to talk a little bit about what the difference between that transactional spend is versus real partnership spend? So as a manufacturer, you spend dollars with the retailers. We've talked about this in prior episodes. And those dollars typically goes towards buying events, influencing price, maybe buying ad fees, shopper marketing, any type of marketing meant in store. What you're trying to accomplish with them is to drive more sales, but also you're trying to develop your relationship and manage your relationship with your retailers. So that's a key part of planning or account planning that Colin talked about two episodes ago. And so when you work with your retailers, you want to figure out what works for them. What are they trying to do? What do they want to accomplish with your brand? And also what works for yourself as your brand? What price points do you want to run at? What's the best price to be at to drive profitability or net sales, whatever your key metric is. And that's where you sit down and really work with the retailer and say, hey, I'm going to buy. It's almost like it's pay for performance, essentially. Mm -hmm. So you're going to spend money to buy events or to buy volume and go from there. And just as a refresher, an event could be an end cap that lasts for two weeks where you're at the end of the aisle. It could be a mentioning a flyer. It's really a time-based promotion like like an event. That's exactly right. Anything, any type of marketing event in store if you walk into a Kroger or a Safeway. So there's that very much transactional part of it, right? I'm, I'm trying to get something done. This retailer is trying to sell me something. So I'm going to pay for the things that are going to work for me. And that's more transactional, right? You run an event, you expect to get lift because of it. But there's also a partnership side of this where you're happy with your base sales. You say, hey, you know what? I don't need to promote this. I'm doing some air quotes here. I don't need to promote this product because I already do pretty well on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to promote it. That seems fine in a transactional lens, but inevitably what happens is the retailer starts looking at, hey, which vendors are spending money with me, right? Who's investing in my business? Who is actually driving deals at the shelf? And when they look at that list and see that your competitor is spending way more of these promotional dollars than you are, well, when they have to make a decision about what new item they're gonna put on the shelf, you're probably not gonna be viewed in as positive a light as a result of that. So this transactional spend also is treated as partnership spend. So there's a fine balance there to consider. When it comes to balancing it, what are some maybe more out of the box options that, that you've seen work well? So I believe Colin, you said the reason that people buy so much Coke is that it's on sale 26 weeks of the year in the flyer and the other 26 weeks it's, it's Pepsi. What might be some examples of partnership spend that's just generally a good idea that maybe brands don't think of or they're maybe even just a little bit uncomfortable executing on? To me, the first when you ask, ask the question, Lucas, is all about um, distribution and slotting. And so we talked about this earlier where, where you want to launch your new item into Kroger. They're going to ask for big dollars in terms of slotting to get into the warehouse and then get it on shelf. And what is slotting for maybe a green direct consumer entrepreneur like myself that's in for a surprise when I go retail? So really at the end of the day, slotting is getting a mm -hmm. slot in their warehouse, into Kroger's warehouse, and then Kroger's the stores will pull from that and put it on their shelf. So the way you can think about it is I'm paying money to Kroger so that my new flavor will be on the shelf in the grocery store. So it's getting you that space. 
Now, a lot of retailers ask for these dollars and a lot of manufacturers are scared of doing it or don't want to spend those dollars. But in regards to partnerships, we can build an offer that's going to work really well for Kroger and also work really well for the manufacturer. And that's where I think you can really start building up this partnership fund or whatever you're going to call it, where we're saying, hey, we're going to bring these five items, you're going to add them into 90% of your stores, and we're going to spend half a million dollars. That's great for us because we're spending money to get five items on shelf, which means we're going to get five new items of sales over the next year. And it's great for the manufacturer because they're going to get $500,000 that they can put to their bottom line or manage their supply chain or whatever that is. And they're also going to get sales for these new items. But if those items don't work out, at least they've pocketed $500,000. And we're confident these items are going to perform because we've seen how they performed in other retailers. So to me, that's a very important partnership and how you can use dollars to really work for both sides. So in the ideal situation, what happens is uh, as a manufacturer and the brand, I go in looking at it like, you know what? I know that this 500K will give me my ROI that I'm excited for. And as a retailer, I'm thinking that, well, uh, 500,000 units or $500,000 in stores, I'm going to have to sell a quarter million units just to bring back my money. It's a new product. It, yeah, it's sold elsewhere. I don't know if it's going to sell so well here. I want to mitigate some of that risk instead of selling a product that we know will be a home run. That's also that kind of tactic of saying we're going to spend a little heavier against new items can be used also on struggling items. So if you've got an item in the store that's maybe not quite meeting thresholds, you're a little worried it's going to be discontinued. You can use this to your advantage to say, I'm going to overinvest a little bit in this so that when the buyer, because it is a human at the end of the day making this decision, when the buyer looks at it, I'm the one that looks good because I'm spending a little bit more than my competitor. And sometimes that's enough to get you through a reset. Now there's probably some underlying issues with why velocities are low in the first place, but you can at least buy yourself time in say six or 12 months chunks because that's as frequent as these decisions are really being made. And especially if you have that inventory already, maybe you're going to sunset it. Maybe you're going to change the price or something down the road, but you get at least another six months to a year to decide how you tackle those velocity issues. Exactly, yeah. And we're playing an exit strategy if that's the play. And you want to know what the retailer's looking for so you can put those funds to the proper bucket. So it's like, yeah, this is actually going to make them, their P&L or their bonus plan or their incentive plan uh, look good. And that's going to allow us to keep this item in shelf for maybe another six months or a year. I think that that's a good time to wrap it up on the promotional versus relationship spending. Uh, Colin, Johnny, anything else that you want to add to that? I would just say for all you salespeople out there, just knowing what your buyer wants is going to make this way more possible and hopefully allow your headquarters to release those funds that you need to spend when you know what your buyer wants and how you're going to be able to possibly affect their PL and get your stuff done that you need to get done. And I'll add that the trade dollars, it's a big line on the PL and it can drive a lot of sales. So don't just ignore it or assume it's going to be this kind of black box of spend that's not going to drive any business for me. It's a really powerful tool. And if you learn how to use it, you can really drive results uh, for your business and your customers and retailers business. Great time to wrap it up. And I am excited for our next recording session. 
I'm going to leak this episode out to a few people, hopefully come back with a few more questions. Until then, Colin, Johnny, I know people can get a hold of you at omniumcpg.com. Omni, like Omnisend, um, like the dead air sounds I edited out, and CPG, like consumer package goods. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lucas. Oh, thank you. I know it's your podcast, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get off these shows. It might be a three-man pod. I love it. It's great. Thanks, Lucas. Appreciate it. Sounds good. See you later, everyone.